um, delicious things, especially on a potluck Sunday. And so, uh, yeah, that's right. Triple layered strawberry chocolate cake available at the end of the service if I haven't eaten it by the end of it. But uh, uh, this, is, this is an important piece of the message because I love birthdays. I don't know if you have ever had one because I'm pretty sure every person in this room has had a birthday, whether or not they want to celebrate them or not is another story. But uh, I wanted to talk about numbers because I love numbers. And I know that uh, often the easiest way to talk about numbers is birthdays and things like that. But before um, I jump into the message, I just want to pray. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to this time. We know that you're wanting to speak something clearly to our hearts for us that are here and those that are joining us online. Father, I pray that you'd speak clearly. Holy Spirit, would you guide my words? And would you speak directly to the hearts of those that hear them? Amen. So um, when, when I started to like numbers, now, as a young kid, you, you're not like big on numbers. You're just learning them in school. But the kicking point for me on numbers and my love for numbers was sports. You get this jersey and you get a number on the back of it. And before that, I didn't really see numbers as a significant thing other than birthdays. And, uh, and so once I reached the age of, you know, 25, 30, then asking someone how old they are just wasn't really something cool to do. Uh, but in schools, when I go to schools and connect with students sometimes, um, I'll, I'll have a student go, how old are you? And uh, my immediate response is so that they can encourage me is, well, how old do you think I am? Because I know, I know that, that based on uh, history of connecting with students, that they think I'm a lot younger than I am. And so um, they'll often give me an encouragement in that moment. And rather than being 36, they're like, no, you're like 20, 20, 23. And I'll be like, okay, so... Uh, I've got a ring on my finger, and I've got three kids, and, and, uh, and they start freaking out, running down the hallways, Jordan's married, and I'm like, how did they not see this? But numbers matter. In fact, I, like, I love celebrating my numbers, even this Friday. Um, a- after my wife got home from work, she came home to this chalk art. I don't have a picture of it, I ha- um, because I forgot to give it to you, Dalton, but basically I wrote this, happy one billionth second. And we were celebrating because once you reach over the age of 32, sometime in the age between 32 and 33, you will have lived one billion seconds of life. And so I love celebrating these small, little, insignificant numbers. I mean, when I was in Europe a few years back, uh, we were traveling as a family and uh, it was a big thing for me. Uh, so much that like my wife was turning 30 and that was really exciting. And two weeks later, we were celebrating 100 months of marriage. And I know that that seems very insignificant in the timeline of how long uh, we will be married. But for me, here's what numbers do. They allow you to celebrate over and over again something that is important to you and a moment of significance like my wife's birth to which I benefit because now I'm married to her 
and celebrating our marriage and the things that are there are so valuable to me. I can't wait. There's one year from now, I get to celebrate 100 months of Elizabeth's life. And uh, we're gonna have a cake or something to celebrate because it's so important. And birthdays are important to a lot of people. And uh, in the Bible, we read about this guy named Moses and Paul's talking about him in Hebrews where I'm gonna start reading today because Paul talked about baby Moses. And so the birth of Moses was important and he wanted them to know, know this. And so in Hebrews 11, 23, it says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands because you see at that time, they were telling uh, the midwives to kill any male born child. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his greater reward. Job in the Bible talks about the importance of the length of our lives. He says, you've just, he's talking to God when he says, and he says, you know the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live. We will not be given one minute longer. I was always challenged by that because I love thinking about time and how I use my time. And then someone talked about this one time. They said, you will not live a minute or second longer or a minute or a second less than God intended. And that challenges me in a lot of areas as I think about time. But Jesus also teaches us this in Psalms through wisdom. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so as I, I celebrate random one, one billion second, and as I celebrate these things, I think that there's wisdom that I'm finding in this and that I'm celebrating moments. And uh, I wanna talk about Moses in terms of birthday, because for me, I know that this is strange, but cake, has always been valuable for me on my birthdays. And I know my mom's listening online because she, she encourages me and lifts me up. And my mom made the best birthday cakes. And I'm not kidding. Like on my grade four birthday, she made a 3D koala bear. Koala bear. It's like it was up. It had the arms on it. It had the legs on it. And everybody came and they saw this koala bear. And so I was like, if this is what my mom can do, I'm gonna make something better. So the next year I asked her for a kangaroo. You know why? Because they got tails. That makes it a little bit more trickier. And so this is my grade five birthday. And I'm like, I need to invite my friends. At this time, I'm starting to form friendships in school. And I found it interesting as we go back to school and we start a new season. One of the funny things that we always, uh, well, maybe you didn't, but maybe it's just me that I tell my kids, go make friends, be kind. And sometimes I feel a little bit hypocritical because as an adult, I don't do that when I come into group settings sometimes. 
I don't have to have someone say, okay, go make friends, be kind. I can stand there and be like, hey. And not say anything to anyone. But yet we expect our kids to go to a random kid on a playground and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Do you want to play on the swings with me? And uh, I find it unique that friends and friends are formed in those insecure moments. I'm sure we all had them. But at my birthday, I invited a whole lot of people. My mom set up breakfast. And she says, Jordan, who you, who you start, who you invited to your birthday? And I start naming names. And I've got, starts going, and my mom starts counting. And then she starts counting. And then she's like, oh, really? And she starts counting. I realized she had written a list. She said that I invited 18 people to my birthday party, none of which I gave invitations to. I just invited, but I knew they were coming. And so my mom had to plan all these things to make something happen. And Moses was an unusual child, and I can relate to him. Because I was unusual. My mom's like, don't you want to, you know, send out invitations, all this stuff? No, I had 18 people that I said, you should come to my house because my mom makes the best cakes. And so they all showed up, every last one of them. And birthdays are, are a time where we celebrate kind of a turning of the clock. But there's a lot of things that happen at a birthday that I think I can relate to my faith. One is this. When people come, they bring one thing, a gift. And I love gifts. I didn't realize how much I loved gifts. Just recently when I was blessed with something, I didn't realize how much I loved gifts because I kept talking about the one thing I got from someone and I kept sharing it with people. But I didn't think that I liked gifts. But my language spoke as something that I did like. And in, in the house, in grade five, I had 18 people hide 18 gifts all over my house. And we played this game called Hot and Cold. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Kids, you know how to play Hot and Cold? You know, like you hide something, and then someone's like, where is it? And they're walking towards it. You say, hotter, 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 colder. No, wrong way. Ice cold when you're in the wrong direction. And eventually, I would find a gift. And I like to think in faith, Sometimes we're looking for love and joy and peace and we pull out this and we start scrolling and we start scrolling and momentarily we have a little bit of joy because we see someone get hurt or we see something funny that someone said or a joke or there's a dad joke that Mike stores for the next message. There's all these things that are there momentarily, love, joy and peace or something. But I'm telling you, if it came to hide and seek or hot and cold with God, that when you reach this to try and find your love and your joy and peace and you begin to start reaching for this regularly, this is like ice cold That's right. when it comes to where we need to, to find our love, joy, and peace. But I promise you, when you find this, that when you actually seek after God's words, because God is love, Therefore, you will find love. You know what's interesting for me is when we seek for love, joy, and peace, the first three fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and there's this hot and cold side to me 
that when we grasp onto the word of God and who he is, something changes inside of us. Something that makes us be seen as unusual. And Moses is an interesting character because his parents on his birthday had to decide something. And they saw because God showed them the greatness that he had placed on them. Like, have you, have you ever had someone that just sees greatness in you? Do you know what I mean? Like someone in your life that actually sees the potential in you before you see it? Because that's kind of the way I feel with Moses and sometimes the way I feel in friendship. And so there is a time to be hidden. And in Hebrews, when we're reading about Moses, we read that Moses is hidden for three months. And there was a time where Moses was hidden because there was something special about him. I want you to know that sometimes, though you might not see the strength that's in you yet, because oftentimes with, with birthdays and with age, it's really easy to go like, okay, they're younger, they've got potential. And, and, and when we get older, we go, okay, you know, I've, I've heard this a thousand times, why? When is this going to happen? Moses was 80 when God called him into his purpose, but he was a lot younger when he showed him his purpose. And at birthdays, there's this wonderful thing that happens. You send out these invitations and you hope that people are going to come. And sometimes when you send out the invitation to birthday, I don't know if this is you, but the ones and the friends that you really wanted to come, don't come. And Moses has a moment, and, and we read in Acts, where it talks about Moses had this unusual thing on him. He was born and raised in Egypt. He was raised in the understanding. He lived in a palace. He had it. But in Acts, it talks about Moses in a different way. Because one day, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. And he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. And this is what's interesting. Moses assumed, because he stepped in, to do what he knew he was called, what he felt like this unusual gift and calling was to do. He stepped in and he assumed his fellow Israelites would recognize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. And sometimes we struggle because we feel like God plays favorites. But Romans 2 tells me clearly, God does not play favorites. God has no Favorite. This means that all people, anybody who professes with their mouth and believes in their heart that God raised them, God raised Christ from the dead shall be saved. It's not like, oh, Wade, yeah, elder, he makes it in. Yeah, no, so-and-so, the guy that like maybe just showed up for the first time, sorry, man, you miss out. That's not the way it works. God doesn't play favorites. Not a single person in here is any less in God's eyes. But Moses struggled with this because of an insecurity. And if I was to be real, my biggest insecurity is what people think. 
And Moses walks through this. And I have to wrestle with this continually, going back to God. God, what have you called me to do? What are you asking me to do? And at a birthday in grade five, I remember a shifting moment for me. I had a friend. We liked the same girl. That's an issue. Because at the birthday, you want to feel special. At the birthday, you want to be noticed. And well, that girl didn't notice me as much as my friend. And although we were friends, in that moment, I didn't feel like we were friends. But in order to allow us to experience intimacy, sometimes we have to push through our insecurity. In order to experience intimacy, sometimes we have to push through our insecurity. Sometimes we have to trust. And as adults, the toughest thing that we do is have to connect with people. Because it's really easy, really easy in this time to not connect. But God is calling us to something that is different. And he's calling us to gather. But before you gather, sometimes there's something that God needs to do inside of you. Is that he has to bring healing. I wanted to do something, and I thought it was interesting. I, I, I like, because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it in the building. Uh, but uh, what I'd like to do is to cram closer in. So if you're on the outskirts, can you move in? I just wanted to do it as a simple walk. So if you could, could you stand up? And you make in a little bit closer to your friends in the center here. That would be awesome. I know this is very different. Bet you didn't expect to move seats today. Now you get a cold seat and someone gets your warm seat. Some people don't want the warm seat. It's like showing up at the washroom with the warm seat. You don't want that. But find a little space. Some of you might, there's lots of space on this side. Once we get squeezed, this might be a little different. Yeah, there's lots here on this side if you need. Cool. Cool. If you need to make your way through, there's still more space on the other side. Because here's what happened. Moses, Moses gathered the people. After God had spoken to him and reminded him of his purpose, he gathered them. And he talked about how God was going to save them. And as cueing my artist, and they laughed at him. Thank you. Thank you. They laughed at him. But when they were gathered, there was something that God was doing. God was working on Moses' insecurity. And one of the most powerful things that you can do in this season is be intentional to connect. We have life groups in this church. We host life groups. We gather together. And one of the things that is accomplished in that time is in an elimination of insecurity. Because as we eliminate our insecurities, it allows us to be courageous with one another, to share life. And as Moses trusted God with what he felt was a calling on him, he went and gathered people. There was another gathering that I found very unique that I wanna end the service with today. And that gathering was around food. 
Jesus brought the disciples together and he gathered them in a space and he broke bread with them and he told them that he was going to die on a cross. He had spoken to them about the reality of that he had to go and leave. And Jesus, in those hours, spent time. But what I find unique about Jesus and what I love most about him is this. Jesus intentionally, I don't even know, well, the Holy Spirit, but gathered people continuously. His whole life was about gathering people. There was not really time other than when he spent time with God where he wasn't with others. He had 12 disciples that lived and breathed everything that he did and saw the miraculous. But what was unique about the disciples was you can read through Matthew about how he picked and chose a whole bunch of random weird people that didn't really on a normal day fit together really well. But when it came to Jesus' death on a cross, only one of his disciples was there. 12 of Jesus' closest friends and only one of his disciples shows up at the cross. The Bible doesn't actually talk a lot of what happened or, or what they did in the in, in between. But what I do know is this. There was one disciple who was at the meal and he said, I would never deny you. And he looked at him as a friend. He said, you know what? By the time the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. No, no, I would never do that. I would never turn my back on my best friend. Jesus was clear. And Peter, in his shame, and what's unique about shame is that shame causes us to distance ourselves from others. I mean, look at Moses. He killed a man. They called him out on it. And in his shame and insecurity, he left for 40 years. 40 years of shepherding. And then God calls him back into his purpose. Shame has this power to distance us, ourselves from one another, from letting people in. But one of the toughest things that Moses had to do was grow up. And I hate that as an adult. But as kids, we tell them like, mature. Oh, they need to mature a little. They need to grow up. Well, sometimes I need to look at myself in the mirror and I need to say, grow up. People love you. People care about your situation. You don't need to hide this and it be your own secret little space. Doesn't need to just be hidden. At one point in the Bible, in Psalms, it says this. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys that find refuge in him. The disciples had nowhere to go after Jesus had died on the cross. Probably confused. But they had spent three years with each other every day. The Bible actually says that they gathered in John 20. There's this moment where we see that the disciples have gathered. And this is where Jesus shows up. Because despite their shame, could you imagine Peter coming into the space? Hey guys, 
It's me. And the shame that he had to fight just to get up the stairs, just to get in that space with his friends, because they would have known, they would have seen, they would have heard he denied Jesus. He gave up on him, eh? But they knew that there was something so much greater than their poor choices. They had lived with Jesus. They had done everything with Jesus every day. There are lots of moments where Jesus was like, nah, you're missing the mark. And other times, yeah, you got this right. But Jesus never pushed them away. And so they understood that mentality. So when Peter came into that room and Peter was with the other disciples, I found it unique. It says that Sunday evening, John 21, verse 19. I don't think we have this verse, but the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. They gathered because they were afraid. And suddenly Jesus was standing there amongst them. And he says this, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I found that a really unique line. Every one of them would have felt shame. Every one of them would have looked at him, although in joy, felt a little bit of like, I left you out to dry, Jesus. And this is what he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. Imagine them looking around each other, at each other. If you forgive one another, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What a unique moment for the disciples. The beginning platform of the church that God wanted to see grow started with an understanding that we, they were broken and that they needed to be told by one another that they're forgiven. And sometimes when we gather, we don't talk about those things. But I'm promising you, I could talk about the cake, I could talk about the kingdom, I could talk about the goodness of Jesus, but if you never take a bite of this cake, you won't know what it's like. If you never get connected to the kingdom, and I'm not saying that life groups is the only answer, but I'm telling you it is a good choice. And in this season, if you are not connected to a life group, I made little cards, but I don't think they're handed out, and that's fine. During the potluck, they'll be over at the table. I want you to take it with your food. On it, it says this, I'm not, I would love to join a life group. I would love to host a life group. I'd love to lead a life group. Because I do believe that God is calling us to gather, despite what is going on, to whatever effort you can gather. Because the word of God says where two or more are gathered, he is there. And we want to see you grow. And we want to see you walk in faith to believe for things beyond what you've seen before. 
for those of you that maybe are here and have never tasted the goodness of the kingdom or experienced Jesus. This is a triple layer cake. This is for me, I found so unique. You got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I have a gift for you. That is, that is the kingdom of God. Some of you are laughing at me, but I was like, I planned that just so you know. Yeah, and that's the truth of what it should be, is give me that. You have friends that need this cake, this kingdom, the Father and his love, the Son and his saving, the Holy Spirit and his guidance. And you've got a cake inside of you to give to another person. So as you gather today around tables and talk about life, I challenge you to not just talk small, but to really talk about life, to pray for one another, to encourage each other, to grow in your faith, to do things beyond what you thought was possible. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for a person like Moses, who from the beginning, you marked him. You marked him with an understanding that he had a purpose. For us that are in this building today, that need to hear that you were made with a purpose. And maybe like Moses, we've walked away out of our fear and insecurity. God, I pray that we would grow up, that we would push through, that as Moses grew the same way that we would grow in our trust in you, Jesus as our savior, as our strength, and Holy Spirit as our guidance. God, we pray for every person that is not in this building today, that is not gathered, but yet is connected. We pray for our friends that don't know Jesus, for the ones who are yet to taste the goodness of the kingdom that we experience daily. God, we pray for strength in us to push through our insecurity for an opportunity of intimacy with our friends, our coworkers, and our family. To see them come to know Jesus. To see them filled with the Holy Spirit. To see them renewed by your strength daily so they may stand in a world that is sideways and be able to offer hope. Jesus, you gathered your disciples and you anointed them. And today as we are gathered, we ask that you would anoint us for the season to come, for the seconds and minutes and hours of our life that we will use beyond here to change the way we view our time, to bring glory to you and life to others.